Hello. <laughs> so we're going to start uh, with paying our respects to the shrine. Excuse my back. And uh, so this begins. We'll on page eight. If you'd like to join me, join us with the introductory chanting, which we'll do in. Um, let's start do it in English. Page eight and the top of page nine. <clears throat> the blessed one, the Lord, who fully attained perfect enlightenment to the teaching which he expounded so well, and to the blessed one's disciples who have practiced well, to these the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, we render with offerings our rightful homage. It is well for us that the blessed one Having attained liberation, still had compassion for later generations. May they simple offerings be accepted for our long-lasting benefit and for the happiness it gives us. The Lord, the perfectly enlightened and blessed one, I render homage to the Buddha, the blessed one. The teaching so completely explained by him, I bow to the Dhamma. The Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well, I bow to the Sangha. Now let us pay preliminary homage to the Buddha, homage to the Blessed Noble, perfectly enlightened one, Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Homage to the blessed, noble, perfectly enlightened one. So, hello. 
Good evening. How's the sound? My sound. Am I good? Yeah, great. So let's just take a few moments, checking in. Welcoming, welcoming ourselves into the space take a look around welcoming everyone to this particular situation here we are what it takes to welcome Welcome yourself. Welcoming yourself into a retreat, into refuge. Things that we can say and things that have been said and things that will be said uh, seemingly innumerable, countless, and uh, maps of the path, maps of practice, systems, techniques. Probably you've read, heard a lot already. And uh, the main task here is to translate into direct experience. Maybe just a small piece of what can be said. Too much to say it all. Just take a small piece that's useful and translate into direct experience. And a small piece refuge. Mm. 
this evening. Maybe if we just learn to translate that uh, every day into direct experience, then a lot will have been accomplished just by that, translating that one word into something that's felt, known, lived in as a guide, as a place of stability, acceptance, spaciousness. So tonight I'd like to keep it simple. I imagine all your lives are complex, many things to think about and discuss and talk and sort out, and that's part of it. Uh, for, for this evening, really, our aim is to land, to arrive, a simple place, a refuge. Mm. Try to feel it in your body, your muscles, your muscle tone. Are your hands taken refuge yet? Are they relaxed? Are they holding on to something that isn't there? Your face making unknown presentation is to think something that isn't there. Yeah. Right now we can, you know, relax some of that, some of all that that happens in the complexities of our lives, the things we meet. Just imagine if something rather beautiful, essentially liberating, is going to meet each and every one of us. We're going to kind of begin to generate that that suggestion. Something can receive us. Something can we can unfold into all our complexities, all our thoughts and hopes and difficulties and physical stuff and life topics can be received by something. Refuge. Try to feel it in your body, in your back, in your shoulders, down your arms. Try to breathe refuge. Long, steady out breaths. But when I say try, I mean just get interested in that. Don't try to relax. <laughs> Just get interested in that possibility that, of that and mm, ask bits of your body, bits of your mind, bits of your heart, if they just time to, would they like to relax now? They feel there's not a lot of need to sort things out. Life is always unfinished. There's always, it's a constant loose end. It's never quite tied up, finished off. 
Can it, we let it be that way? Just uh, shifting from all that uh, engaging doing, concerned planning, hoping, doubting, into acceptance, refuge. It's not necessarily the case there's anything particularly problematic happening for us. There may be particular problems or topics, maybe just nothing special. But once you start to uh, uh, just shift gear, like uh, step back a little from the activities of the mind, from the movement of time, from that urgencies and interests and feeling, what's it like, stepping back, like you just the, first of all, disengaging your intentions, just unhooking the intentions, that's the first thing, that means what we're going to act upon, what we're going to physically act upon, verbally act upon, even psychologically act upon, Yeah. Maybe something about the retreat. I think we should, you know, develop something or have a game plan or how's this going to go and I'll be able to manage this, you know, not in the evening. How's it? Topics can come up we feel we have to deal with or engage with or work out. You know, and just try to just deliberately acknowledge any of that, make the conscious inclination. Is it possible to just not deal with that? It's just the deal with it, the first thing, we just disengage, Uh uh-huh, 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 you know, it's that sense, and then emotionally, it's okay to feel this way, it's okay for this stuff to be kind of cooking away, bubbling away, however silly it may be, or not important, or not really, this isn't about retreat, is it, this is not really dhammic, yeah, okay, uh-huh. Just withdrawing one's energy from that and instead putting energy into the quality of attentiveness, acceptance, it's an amazing movement movement of, uh, of disengaging sounds so kind of uh, dis, this is not a great suffix is it, prefix, so you know, dis, 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 I've been dissed, but it is uh, shifting from into something else and this is how the process of deepening and widening occurs deepening 
one's awareness. It happens quite naturally once you are no longer getting activated by the, the surface topics, which always seem to be the most important things until you disconnect from it. Wow, what's all that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Disconnecting, disengaging from the surface topics and deepening occurs and widening occurs. We get greater depth, we get greater span. Depth may be in fact be not very comfortable, so you feel tired, sleepy, woozy, not so kind of irrational, because there's a lot of that irrationality in depth, strange feelings and so forth. Just, uh uh-huh, disengaging, deepening, widening, deepening, letting it happen, refuge. Even the, all of this can be held within refuge. That movement of disengagement conscious, it's not a shunning, and it's not a denial, it's the disengagement of intention, of activation. At the same time you stay awake and present. And we begin to, in the process of deepening, sense the quality of awareness get interested in that. Awareness is refuge. Refuge is awareness. It's the most immediate refuge that we have. Is there an edge to awareness? Is it got a limit? As soon as you're aware of the edge of the limit, that limit dissolves. Become aware of the sense of holding yourself or not wanting to see or feeling uncertain. And you widen. Awareness has no edges to it. But we keep imagining you know our edges are really what we feel we can accept what we feel we can handle a sense of uncertainty or lack of clarity so 
that's, that's, that's the edge, it's just a limitation at this present moment. Mm. Really that's uh, an edge that can shift and change. Something that has no natural edge, no, no real center. What's the center of your awareness? What's center there? Is it a thought, mood, feeling, an energy, an uncertainty, vigor, hunger, wanting, not wanting, aspiring, struggling? It's changing, isn't it? Comes up in the center of it. Awareness has no center and no edge. It's really limitless. But all the time, what comes up within that take center stage could be anything just like a silly little song, ditty that we've got somewhere in our mind, could be a concern about ourselves, could be happy, could be distress, distressing. Take center, center stage. I am this, this is mine. This is my problem, my wish, my, 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 my. Mm. And how come it's changing all the time? So disengage from that. Doesn't see it as it is, know it as it is. Feeling energies, pictures and images. Just to cultivate like that, you're gonna find this mysterious quality called uh, faith, confidence, aspiration, something you want to and it's certainly not uh, a craving kind of wanting. It's not something that's hungry for pleasure. It's not something that's hungry for certainty. It's something urging to open up, urging to know, urging to get clear, urging to unravel, urging to release, mm. aspiring. And we take, we into retreat, can we just ask ourselves, can we even just sound that word aspiration? What do I really aim for? Even if you can't get a word behind it, just note there is that tendency in the mind to aspire to what's better, to what's rewarding, to what's clearer, to what's calmer, to what's more loving. Whatever flavor it takes is that. Oh, aspiration. This is a place to find that, to remember that. Without aspiration, we're surely dead or zombies. <laughs> and uh, this quality can get buried. And we just go into automatic, kind of moved along by life. So to remember the beauty is aspiration.
And from aspiration comes a kind of an energy. Seeking to do something. Seeking to establish something. Seeking to clear something. Seeking to come to terms with something. Seeking to get real. Seeking to, you know, what is it? energy. You follow that, it will bring to mind, bring the Dhamma into mind. These are the two cardinal features, the door openers, faith and energy. Confidence or aspiration and energy, these are the ones that open the door. As the Buddha himself commented, you know, wide open are the doors to the deathless for those who have, can aspire, listen up, you know what I mean? And the energy comes behind that. Because of this, one begins to cultivate mindfulness collectedness and bring one's wisdom to bear in a useful way. So, but we'll begin with refuge and aspiration, recognizing, bearing in mind, however difficult it can be at times, it can be very difficult. Maybe something is trying to work itself out. Something is trying to, like, uh, splinters coming out, something difficult is coming out, just sweating it out, you know. Maybe something clear is forming. And in this process of the mysterious way in which Dharma arises, because it really arises, you don't know it. Because if you knew it, it wouldn't be Dhamma. It would just be another idea, another good idea. But it wouldn't really be the fresh arising Dhamma that happens here and now. It would be something we've rehearsed, remembered, you know, brought in. And uh, however good that is, that's like, um, that's canned, you know. And we're looking for the fresh stuff, the fresh. It's going to come out of uh, the deepening, widening process and to come up as a quality of the, uh, the aspiration and it's not clear about it. You get a feeling for something. So, you know, you keep that ear open for the mystery, what will be arising. This is what sadha, aspiration, faith is about. Trust. Trust your process. You 
And so often in the mind, you know, something says, well, I shouldn't be sick. I shouldn't have a bad knee. I shouldn't be busy. I shouldn't have that problem. I shouldn't be this old. I shouldn't be this young. I shouldn't be traveled so far. I shouldn't be tired. I shouldn't be the way I am. And that one is uh, it's getting in the way. You know, this is the way you should be for this uh, process to occur. Yeah, we always kind of imagine there's this uh, statistically perfect yogi, superbly fit, squeaky clean mind, grounded, open, compassionate, clear, totally sorted, who's going to have the good retreat. But such a being would not need to be here. (laughs) Such a being does not exist. You know, what in your own experience, where is where is he or she? So we take this, we take refuge, and we take the immediate, and we take the direct, and we take the the straight path into the present moment of what's arising. Mm. Refuge. Now, if we looked around, you recognize, you know, there's all this karma in the room. Mm. These are all karmic formations. It's probably, you know, you look inside, there's plenty there. You look around, you think, gee, this is, there's a lot out here. A lot of karma floating around out here. <laughs> it's a good reference, you know, karma and the end of karma. Karma and the end of karma, you know. Some people talk about enlightenment. Suspect, difficult, not a good way to think of it, enlightenment. You think of the one thing, the cherry, that you're going to hit, whatever it is. Just think of, you know, when you're sitting here, what's what's happening? What is it? What is What is going on? What's here for you? Well, you could say karma the activations, that which is activated for you, mm. results, potentials, you know, there's potentials, there's activations, there's, con- there's results. You know, it could be remembering things, feeling things, having a body, you know, having relationships, having, you know, things we feel activated about, the quality of activations, we feel irritable or eager or keen or enthusiastic or desperate, that's, that's karma, that's activities. Mm. That's what's here, isn't it? There's the activities, the results of previous activities, the potentials for future activities. That's what's happening in this whole welling up of experience. And refuge, so what would it be if we, you know, cleared that? cleared our 
ongoing entanglement with that, our ongoing drama with that, our ongoing feeling enmeshed in all that. So of course there's the future, in a certain sense, there's bodies, there's thoughts, there's relationships, there's things. What would it be if we could just see, oh that's just that, and that sense of being bound to it, or seeking uh, it all to be good or bad, or get rid of it, if that could all stop, we'd be just the, that's that. We really have found a way to be free from that, free from the engagement with that. Free to engage with it, and free to disengage with it. It's free. Freedom's not a thing. Freedom's not a uh, a feeling, a sensation. Freedom is freedom. Means <laughs> you can engage, you can disengage, you could, you know, it's free, it's open. So just, just acknowledging that possibility. And uh, as we share this space together, this is kind of what we're all doing. What we're, you see around you are karmic manifestations. The results of birth, the results of being born, the results of genetic things, results of social forces, results of what's happened. You see these results, you see the potential for all that, is it? One thing to really uh, constantly come back to is this empathic sense, just awakening our potential for empathy. Very helpful. Just to look around internally, externally. Wow, there's all this, all this vibrant, throbbing, pulsing stuff, you know. Like it's, and we don't have to do anything about it, but just get the sense of all that and how that feels. Sometimes quite intense, the felt sense of it all. And everyone is in that. Could there be, what's the response of that apart from, well, may we be well. May we avoid malice, harming ourselves, harming others, shutting down, giving up, blaming, wounding, maybe avoid, maybe just relinquish all that. Comparing, contrasting, maybe give all that up. A sense of compassion and sympathy. This is perhaps our first unfolding of the refuge in a very uh, practical way. Everything we do terms of meditation or all of it, can it be held within the, the sphere of kindness, non, non-aversion, self-respect, respect for others, can it be held within that? This is the, you know, the boundary of the practice. May I be well. 
very simple, most obvious thing, and yet it's a tone that we can lose. We can lose the, the tonality of that. So bear that in mind. When we're here for the retreat period, then all of it, as again is, you know, probably often said, but really all of it is practice. Because in all of it, there's that uh, actions, activities, responses, reactions, perceptions, feelings, all of that, where we can get stuck or we can work towards release. May we all use the time sincerely, happily, generously for our welfare and for the welfare of others. May we really understand and feel refuge. This evening we'll take the precepts together, the eight precepts. Um, so, I don't know if anyone's up to requesting them. <coughs> Three refuges and the eight precepts. And this probably on page 59 through 62, if you've got the same book as I have. this at a time in the Pali language and if you could follow me uh, a line at a time. Motasa Bhagavato Rato Samma Samputasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma samputasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma samputasa Buddhang saran angichami Dhammang saranang gachami Sangang saranang gachami Dutiyampi buddhang saranang gachami Dutiyampi dhammang saranang gachami 
Dudiyampi Sangang Saranang Kichahami Tatiyampi Budhang Saranang Kichahami Tatiyampi Dhammang Saranang Kichahami Tatiyampi Sangang Saranang Kichahami I undertake the precept to refrain from taking the life of any living creature. Adinna dana veramane sikapadang samadhyami Undertake the precept to refrain from taking that which is not given. Abrahmacharya veramane sikapadang samadhyami And to take the precept to refrain from any intentional sexual activity. Mutsa wada veramanesigapadang samadhyami. And to take the precept to refrain from lying. Sura Miraya Majapamadatta na Vera Manesika Padang Samadhyami And to take the precept to refrain from consuming intoxicating drink and drugs which lead to carelessness. We call a pojana, wear a manesika padang, samadhyami. And to take the precept to refrain from eating at inappropriate times. Nachagita vadita visukata sana mala ganda vilipana dharana mandana viputsana tana vera manesika apadang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from entertainment, beautification, and adornment. 
Ucha sayana maha sayana where manesika padang samadhyami. Now undertake the precept to refrain from lying on a high or luxurious sleeping place. Imani at the Sikapadani Samadhyami. And take these eight precepts. Imani at padani silena, sukating yanti silena, bhogasam pada silena nipoting yanti, tasamasilang we sodaye. These are the eight precepts. Virtue is the source of happiness. Virtue is the source of true wealth. Virtue is the source of peacefulness. Therefore, let virtue be purified. In taking the eight precepts, you're setting up an intention, something to activate, something to get activated around, something to uh, light up, to centralize around, put in the center. So the other things that want to take centre, you see, yeah, yeah, but you're putting that in the centre. Yeah. It's pragmatic. It's not really ideological. It's not about damnation or heaven or righteousness. It's about prag- being pragmatic. These are a source of happiness. These are a source of inner wealth. These are a source of peace. These are for my well-being. Mm important to really get the sense of that as we're very much affected by often a way of seeing any kind of structure or system as that which is about obedience, punishment, right, wrong, uh, the cursed and the blessed and really ideological and, and positional things. And that sets up, it's not a refuge intention, as a tribunal. You don't want to be living in a law court. It's not a refuge. This is for one's welfare, for happiness. 
what kind of happiness? What kind of wealth? Naturally, the, what we are oriented around is uh, feeling. Yes, the mind is naturally oriented around feeling. It takes feeling pleasant, feeling unpleasant as the big thing. That's the natural uh, interest of the conditioned mind. Feeling, pleasant feeling how to get more pleasant feeling, how to get rid of unpleasant feeling. And the Buddha recognized this is the way we are, so actually turning towards that. You know? And of course, the Four Noble Truths are really about how to get out of the unpleasant into something more pleasant, <laughs> very crudely speaking. Yeah. It's not an ideological right-wrong, it's just, hey, this is going to feel better. <laughs> yeah. And you can say, well, yeah, but uh, there's all kinds of ways one can feel better, seemingly. And these precepts don't seem to be <laughs> the standard way of doing that. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, what we're doing, really, is taking a little more conscious uh, engagement with the process of well-being. Conscious and inner engagement with that, the process of well-being. Now, you recognize that sources of happiness that are on display and for sale are dependent, highly dependent upon, you know, you, you getting it, you going out and getting it, you buying it, you consuming it, you winning it, you deserving it, you, you know, dependent on all that, you know? Actually, when you really get the sense of that, you realize they're, they're making you feel impoverished. <laughs> they're not a source of wealth. They're saying, you get happy because something's added to you. Some sight, sound, touch, taste is added to you. That's how you get happy. If happiness has to be added to you, not a very good statement about where you are, is it? You're con- constantly impoverished. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the sort of underlying mythos of the consumer world. You are naturally poor and impoverished until you get one of these, then you'll be fine. And I think we've been through that one. Uh, <laughs> And you go, yeah, you're fine for like a few seconds, maybe, (laughs) until the next thing comes up. Because it's not really shifting the basic premise that you are in need. Mm. That's what happens when we find happiness based upon what we call, roughly speaking, sense, sense doors, sense uh, sight, sound, touch, and so forth. We are constantly... You know, the underlying sense of that is that our inner quality, our awareness, our heart, our mind is impoverished and needs to keep being propped up and fed to keep it happy. And most of our life is probably going to be going around various ways of trying to make sure that happens. And it 
doesn't always happen, does it? And if it does happen, it doesn't really quite last long enough. So we come to retreat. Now, you know, we're not giving up happiness. I mean, you'd be a fool, wouldn't you, to really give up happiness? <laughs> Saying, can you come to it just through, instead of latching on to uh, perceptions and feelings that arisen from sense contact and activities, could they come from, uh, what is happiness anyway? Quality of uh, feeling, and a particular, along with that feeling comes a particular perception, I am rich, I'm, you know, I'm fulfilled, I am replenished, something is filling me up, something enjoyable is filling me up, could be an ice cream, could be a movie, it could be interesting book, something is filling me up, a nice pleasant sense of being filled with and something agreeable. Mm. Now, what we're saying, yeah, that's that's about it, isn't it? But now, instead of that, you're filling with kindness, filling with goodwill, filling filling yourself with clarity, filling with aspiration, filling with mm, skillfulness, filling with wisdom, filling with skillful intention saying, I am rich, I am rich, that's enough thanks, because I'm, you know, that's the quality of what we call renunciation. So in the precepts you have two themes, one is morality, one is renunciation. Morality is, uh, I'm filling myself with skillfulness, and I don't need to go anywhere else, or buy anything else to do that. I have that already. I just need to activate it. Yeah. I need to activate it. It's not that difficult, really. Probably we do this. We do act skillfully. We don't necessarily fill ourselves with it. Yeah. I don't think people go around murdering and killing and stealing and lying. But do we really fill ourselves with the quality of harmlessness, the quality of gentleness, the quality of honesty yeah. and self-respect that that gives it's enormously important and sila is regarded as like something like a, a beautiful flower it said the fragrance of virtue ganda silo so it's not a rule or a law it's a lovely fragrance that permeates one's being but it needs to be, you need to inhale it, not just do it, but inhale it. And then you begin to get the sense of, you know, you've got an inner source of happiness, so you are wealthy. And when one is wealthy, with a wealth that's yours already, then the craving, the hunger, the disappointments fade and becomes more peaceful. Mm. So just cultivating sila, it's not just a matter of doing the right thing, but really inhaling it, taking time to inhale that, breathe it in, permeate it, taste it. And this is a, you know, if we cultivate this, and this is really, you know, 
so important. And it's not important just for a do-good point of view, but to establish your own authority. It can be independent from opinions, views, sensations, weather, ups and downs. You can be independent from that. You can see you get inner authority, gives you strength. From this, meditation proceeds. From that basis of inner strength. If this isn't really thoroughly felt and experienced, then probably for many of us it isn't the first. We just do it because we're supposed to. The meditation then becomes another sort of subtle way of trying to get the feel-good experience. I meditate, I'll get to something. And again, it's uh, an impoverishment. Meditation is really just about refining, thoroughly reviewing, firming up and clarifying, more distilling than accumulating, distilling and sieving out and filtering, like you've already got the fruit and now you're just clarifying the juice. Mm. So this is a, leads to the fulfillment of citta, of awareness, and the fulfillment of panya, clarity. Citta, awareness, is our refuge. It's our, say it's already here, needs to be brought to the fore. You bring it to the fore by taking intention. Jitta is often associated with both awareness and intentionality. When they become clear and firm, then you've got the fruit. And you need just to distill it, clarify it, you taste it, the fruit of, of the mind, the fruit of awareness. Cultivate it like that. Just see also the the ways in which we slip off niggardly or irritated or indifferent or impatient, uh, you know, sort of subtler forms of blemish. Impatient, casual, who cares, doesn't matter, so what, you know, the flattening it. Harshness towards oneself, towards others. Self-delusion, <laughs> you're lying to oneself. Mm. Seeking to entertain, something to kind of... Mm. Mm. Yeah. So this is a cultivation. First cultivation is sila, the second cultivation is renunciation. Once you begin to get the qualities of virtue and appreciate them, then you also you can make this amazing world-stopping gesture, which is enough. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I've got enough. Thanks. Enough. Such simple word. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And can you really feel that? That sense of relief. Enough. Thanks. That's renunciation. Yeah. 
It's not condemnation, it's not despising, it's just enough. And the kind of feeling of, of relief and arrival that can come when that, that mood and that intention becomes clear. So look at that, train yourself with that, tune into that. How much is enough sleep, how much is enough food, how much is enough ideas, how much is enough, yeah. Because what's here right now is what's here. (laughs) Can that be enough? This is what it is to be mindful. Stabilize oneself in the present. So we will uh, pause for the evening. It's kind of just uh, touch into a few themes for the retreat or for an opening. And uh, take your time, settle in, have a good rest. And I'll see you in the morning. And so if you can feeling rested enough, please get here for the 5.30. We'll start with some chanting, meditation, uh, and uh, proceed. But really, you know, these this is the opportunities that are being presented. These are not actually uh, laws, but just opportunities to make best use of the time here. So let's uh, conclude with a little blessing chant (coughs) and this will be on page 43 the reflections on universal well-being may I abide in well-being in freedom from hostility in freedom from hostility in freedom from ill will in freedom from anxiety And may I maintain well-being in myself. May everyone abide in well-being, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill-will, in freedom from anxiety, and may they maintain well-being in themselves. May all beings be released from all suffering, and may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained when they act upon intention. All beings are the owners of their action and inherit its results. Their future is born from such action, companion to such action, 
and its results will be their home. All actions with intention, may they skillful or harmful, of such acts they will be the heir.